Hi, everybody. Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain Radio. I hope you're doing well. Hey, Austria, how are you guys doing? How are things? What's new in your neck of the woods? You've got an election coming up a couple of days from now, and um, it's kind of an important election in many ways. Do you like the freedoms, the liberties, uh, and the um, rights that your ancestors fought and died to provide to you? Do, you? do you think that it's, say, worth continuing as a civilization? Uh, or do you want to give all of that up because of political correctness? It really is an important election and comes down to whether you continue as Austria um, or turn into something else entirely. So in the Western tradition which has granted you all of these rights and all of these freedoms, the Western tradition of putting facts, reason, and evidence above mere cant and bigotry. I'm going to give you the brutal facts about the fork in the road that you face. So, for those who don't know, and I'm sure most of the Austrians do, in the summer, Austria's constitutional court ruled that the presidential runoff election must be held again. Why? I wonder, well, Norbert Hofer of the anti-immigration FPO lost the May 22nd vote to former Greens leader Alexander van der Bellen by 0.6%. Woo, <laughs> that's, that's pretty close, wouldn't you say? About 31,000 votes. Now, what's fascinating is a significantly large number of mail-in ballots were requested. And the 31,000 votes that the Greens used to beat FPO... Well, they all were the result of mailed-in ballots. That seems quite unusual. Now, of course, there were allegations of vote-rigging, that the Euro faithful, the people who wanted to stay in the Euro, because this is a bit of a referendum on that, may resort to such blatant measures as outright vote fraud. And uh, they did actually also rig bookie odds, you know, because they wished to pump a little bit more mammalian future blood into the existing dusty dinosaur veins of the existing EU structure. So these allegations of vote rigging, of course, you know, initially dismissed as conspiracy theories, turned out to be, well, let's just put it quite kindly and say valid. The court said particularly serious cases of voting fraud were detected in the election. The court found legal violations in, quote, many districts, end quote, in how the May 22nd second round vote was processed. The decision came a week, of course, after the UK's Brexit, and there were similar concerns about immigration and uh, jobs. Now, Uh, Let's be very clear. The concerns are not about immigration as a whole, but third world immigration, particularly Islamic immigration. The Freedom Party candidate Norbert Hofer campaigned to protect Austria from mass migration and Islamification. Now, naturally, of course, all even remotely nationalist parties in Europe and, of course, across the world, the Western world, the white world, are called far right. Far right. And that is a ooga booga scare term that is designed to have you reject policies without examining their merits on the basis of democracy and uh, cultural compatibility and, uh, you know, the basic continuance of the civilization that you have inherited, which is, which is your duty to protect and hand to your children just as it was handed to you by your forefathers. So the moment you see the term far right, assume that you are dealing with a propagandizing institution. So, What are some of the issues? Well, migrant crime is a big issue. And um, this was an unusual vote, of course. For the first time in modern, at least, Austrian history, none of the candidates in the final round were representatives of the mainstream 
parties. And that's quite interesting as well. That's the Trump phenomenon where people are giving up on the uniparty, right? The two sides of the same coin uh, that is basically robbed from your children's mouths uh, and going off the beaten path, so to speak. So what is going on with migrant crime? Well, according to the Austrian Interior Ministry, nearly one out of three asylum seekers in Vienna was accused of committing one or more crimes in 2015. Would you like to take a run at that again with me? One out of three asylum seekers in Vienna was accused of committing one or more crimes in 2015. Now, I'm pretty sure that if you got immigrants uh, from Western Europe, sort of white, Western European, Christian, or secular immigrants, you would not be facing one in three being accused of one or more crime in a particular year. The North African gangs, of course, of which um, significant numbers have poured into Austria recently, they fought for control uh, over the lucrative drug trafficking, and of course, responsible for about half of the nearly 16,000 violent crimes, rapes, robberies, stabbings, and assaults that were reported in Vienna during 2015. Here's a spoiler. They're not half the population of Vienna, but responsible for, for, responsible for about half the crimes. Now, of course, there are lots of other crimes, uh, the nonviolent crimes and so on, the drug trafficking and so on, not always that great for society as a whole, but these are the facts. Out of almost 21,000 officially approved asylum seekers in Vienna, over 6,500 were known to have committed crimes in 2015. That is an increase of nearly 50% since 2014. So, oddly enough, when you bring North Africa into Europe, you don't get Europe, you kind of get North Africa. I wish it weren't that way. I wish there were ways that we could solve it. But right now, nobody knows how to. And that seems quite important to me. 2,270 of these criminals were under the age of 20, which is a 72% increase from 2014. Seven were under nine. 31 were under age 13. Now, of course, Austria received 90,000 asylum requests in 2015, the second highest EU number on a per capita basis. Interior Minister Wolfgang Sobotka warned that up to 1 million migrants are ready to cross the Mediterranean from Libya into Europe. See, you know, one of the things about Islam is it says that it's an honorable thing, it's part of jihad, to go to another country and start having lots of kids. Uh, Which is challenging, of course, enough if you have to go and work for a living. But if that country you're moving to takes money from the white population and gives it to the migrant population, uh, that seems to stack the deck just a little bit in terms of demographic replacement. And this is a basic fact. Like Europeans, white Europeans, we've kind of been brainwashed into thinking it's somehow bad or evil or racist or somehow to vote for your own group's self-interest. I mean, this is despite the fact that pretty much every other racial group on the entire planet does that exactly, vote and agitate and uh, work for their own self-interest, the interest of their group. So it's bad for whites to do it. It's good for other uh, groups to do it. Uh, That, of course, is the textbook definition of racism uh, and... um, It's not that way around the world. Japan and South Korea, wealthy, developed nations with very low crime, very high standards of living, and overwhelmingly homogenous, like 99% uh, the same ethnic group. Did you know Mexico's constitution actually forbids major changes to demographics within Mexico? It has to stay the way that it is. It's actually illegal against the constitution to institute policies that would change that significantly. So the idea that... Every other group can do it, but white people can't do it. Well, that's, um, that's racist, and it's uh, a sucker's game. See, if you're not willing to pursue your own 
group's self-interest, but you're surrounded by other groups that will pursue their own group self-interest, well, let's just say you're going to lose. You are going to lose. We'll talk more about that in a moment. So let's look at some of the chaos that has enveloped Austria over the last year or two. The area around the Praterston station has become overrun by these shiftless migrants from Afghanistan and North Africa. They're selling drugs, they're fighting turf battles, and they're assaulting female passers-by. Police were dispatched to this specific area right around the station 6,265 times in 2015. Now that is, of course... 17 times a day. Local authorities appear either unable or unwilling to restore order to the area. Now, that's interesting, of course. You, as Austrians, are paying taxes for these police to go and not restore order to these uh, violent, thug-ridden areas within your country. And uh, those police are not available to you uh, for any issues that you might be having. So... And it's not even working. They're not even able to restore order to the area. The head of the Austrian police union, Hermann Greilinger, reports that Vienna needs, oh, I don't know, about 1,200 more police officers in order to establish order in the capital. He said, if we are allowing in our country 111,000 migrants, few of whom have had background checks, then clearly the police must be massively increased. Almost all asylum claimants are moving to Vienna. We now have more migrants than the population of the city of Salzburg, the fourth largest city in Austria. See, now this election comes down to the very first word of that paragraph, if. Doesn't have to be. It's your choice. And it is the most important choice you will ever make as a civilization. Now, migrant criminals are generally not deported and are eligible for welfare benefits and free health care, even after they leave prison. (sighs) So, let's take an example. In May, a 21-year-old migrant from Kenya randomly murdered a 54-year-old woman right there in a busy street in Vienna. Well, how? By smashing her over the head with an iron bar. You see, this could be your mother. It could be your aunt, could be your sister, could be your daughter, could be your wife. It eventually emerged that this Kenyan, who murdered the 54-year-old woman by smashing her over the head with an iron bar, was actually well known to city police. Since his arrival in 2008, he had committed at least 18 crimes, including, well, dealing drugs, attacking police officers, and hitting someone else over the head with an iron bar, but he had been repeatedly set free. See, this is the important thing. Uh, At the moment, at least, political correctness generally forbids the police from dealing with migrant uh, crime. And, of course, we've seen this in Rotherham and countless other towns and cities uh, in uh, England where Pakistani gangs were routinely uh, hijacking and raping and kidnapping um, white girls uh, uh, over many, many years, and nobody wanted to deal with it because they would be considered racist uh, and... um, If there was any chance for races to live together in peace and harmony, uh, if the general equation of history that diversity plus proximity equals war, if that was ever to work, it would be because people would be willing to lay down and not use the race card. But the fact is that racial groups, minorities within white communities, simply don't seem to have the ability as a whole to not play the race card, which is why there are always going to be these kinds of problems. So when the police chief says, oh, don't worry, if we get more police... 
we'll totally be able to take care of the problem. Look at this example. There was no shortage of police involvement in this murderous Kenyan's life. No shortage of it whatsoever. More police. Just understand this. More police, even if you're willing to pay the taxes and have less money available for your life and your children and your education and your vacations and your property and your future, even if you're willing to pay the taxes, more police will not solve the problem. He was continually and repeatedly set free, even after being in police custody, committing at least 18 crimes. More police will not solve the problem. Please understand that. Now, the wave of newcomers who entered Austria during the migrant crisis will cause social benefit spending to soar by 35%, a report has revealed. Of course, it will be much more than 35%, and generally the money is borrowed, so the interest and blah de blah de blah it's many multiples. And again, do you have the right, as a citizen trapped in time who's going to die at some point, do you have the right to impose this kind of crime problem, uh, this kind of cultural incompatibility problem, um, and this kind of government spending problem, and this kind of debt, unfunded liabilities. Do you have the right to impose this on your children? Of course you don't. You don't have the right, and you need to recognize that when you go to the polls. How is the welfare state going? See, this really is the first time in history when massively well, let's just say questionably compatible cultures have tried to merge together with one culture being forced to pay for the um, needs, requirements, and preferences of the other culture or ethnicity. Um, How's that working out? Well, the majority of those receiving welfare in Austria never, ever, 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 never, ever progress to permanent jobs. It's like the Roach Motel. You check in, you just can't really seem to check out. Migrants in particular have bad employment prospects. See, this should not be that hard to figure out. Uh, There are language skills issues. You know, two-thirds of the Syrian migrants to Europe are illiterate in their own language. Syrian literacy is not that low, but the the migrants are illiterate in their own language, two-thirds of them. And... um, Cultural issues, language issues, work habit issues, uh, resentment issues, uh, a feeling of hostility towards the host country for religious reasons. These, of course, are going to result in people who don't have good employment prospects. Now, of course, local authorities are arguing that the welfare system should be reformed after last year's influx, as if reforming the system will somehow fundamentally change the incentives. Well, no, it won't. Two-thirds of those on welfare in Austria, have depended on it for more than 13 months. And thus, of course, you get a dependent lifestyle and you get children growing up in households where they do not see the parents working, they do not inherit the job skills and how to negotiate with bosses and how to deal with customers and all of that stuff that everybody with employed parents kind of gets rolling down the ladder of years. That's what you end up with. 45% of welfare recipients who started jobs. Oh, look at that. They've got jobs. They're going to get off the welfare treadmill and they're going to get out of your pockets and leave some of your money alone. Oh, sorry. 45% of those who started jobs ended up back on welfare benefits just two to three months later. And this is the reality. Look, when people come in uh, and are on welfare and have kids, then it's the children too who become a, a great expense to 
the natives, right? A great expense to the Austrians. Because the kids need education, the kids need healthcare, right? There's two kind of ends of life where you need lots of healthcare. One when you're kids, the other when you get old. So you have people coming in who have not paid into the welfare system, right? The welfare system is supposed to be for emergencies, you know, in case of emergency, pull welfare system. But you have to pay into it in order to get out of it. That's how it used to work. That was the general idea behind it. If you have large groups of people coming into your country who are taking from the welfare state with very little power, capacity or intention to ever pay into the welfare state and they bring kids and have kids which means you have to pay more for their welfare benefits and more for their health care and more for their education not just because you need more seats in the classroom but because you have massive cultural and language barriers that need to be bridged which costs a huge amount of money you have a net drain on your society you don't have the rights to inflict upon your children groups who are a net drain on society you don't have that rights it's not your country you inherited it you've got to pass it forward it's like the environment you don't get to mess it up you don't get to poison and pollute all of the air and the rivers and the seas you don't get to pollute everything and then say to the kids well good luck with it you inherited a relatively clean environment you owe it to the children to give them a relatively clean environment you inherited a relatively free country you have a right and an obligation to pass that to your children so commissioned by the city of vienna this report discovered that just nine percent of the group made it into Sustainable employment. Now, what does sustainable employment mean? I don't know. In Germany, out of the hundreds of thousands of migrants, about 53 of them got jobs, and the majority of those were with the post office, a government-run place where you get to LARP as if you have a real job. Do you live in a democracy? Should the government represent the will of the people? Well, 86% of Austrians surveyed in a recent poll supported continuing independent action to deal with the migrant crisis without the guidance or agreement of the European Union. Let us control our own borders. Let us make our own decisions as a sovereign nation. Collectivism. I don't even know what the word is. Clusterfrag. Infinity tragedy. Because it doesn't just fail. Right. If I try to jump a wall and I fail, maybe I just stumble. Right. If I try to jump a wall and break both my legs, that's worse than a failure. Austrian citizens overwhelmingly reject the EU migrant crisis approach. The majority would like to see Austria's borders closed indefinitely. Well, of course you would. Of course you would. As the migrants come in and have more kids on your tax dollars, you will have fewer children. You see, it's not Austria plus the migrants. It's Austria plus the migrants minus the Austrians. That's demographically what is going to happen. They're pushing aside. They're not adding to. So, look. There's a basic question that needs to be asked with regards to the migrant crisis. And this is regardless of your sympathies. Look, you can help people in the Middle East if you want who are displaced by terrible NATO and American foreign policies. If you want to help people in the Middle East send money to the Middle East where they can be resettled in the Middle East where they have compatible cultures and climates and and, uh, civilizations and and countries and language. You can help 12 people in the Middle East for every one person you bring into the West. So it's not about helping uh, people. If you want to help them, help them in their own countries, help them in their own regions rather than bring them to your country. Because the basic question needs to be asked, and this is not just obviously specific to Austria in particular, but to Europe as a whole and the West as a whole. Look, it's okay to ask that question, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Bringing these groups 
into my country. What is in it for me as a citizen? It is, after all, your country. What is in it for you? Well, you've got increased crime, you've got terrorism attacks, you've got uh, language barriers, you've got increased taxes, increased liabilities, you've got uh, your children going to school and getting bullied sometimes, you have cries of racism being hurled at you and Islamophobia being hurled at you. What is in it for you? What is the benefit for you? It's okay to ask that question. Actually, let me go one step further. It is not only okay to ask that question, you must ask that question. What is in it for you? And it's perfectly fine to say, eh, nah, not really, uh, not really anything in it for me. In fact, there are massive negatives in it for me, so no thank you. Because look, Western culture, since the time of the pre-Socratics, over 2,500 years ago, Western culture has fought to do the basic, fundamental cognitive action of accepting reality, reason, evidence, science, empiricism. These are all facts. Now, we don't have a choice to just return to tribal superstitions, right? We we have to march forward. We can't, you can't undo, you can't unlearn, right? If you learn a foreign language, you can't be spoken to in that language and not understand it. That's just, you got to move forward, can't move back. Reason, evidence, science. Here are the facts. And I am sorry to bring these facts to you. I'm sorry that these facts even exist. I wish with all of my heart It were different, but if wishes were horses, beggars would ride. Wishing won't make it so. We cannot bring feelings to a fact fight. We must bring the reality. Look, the average IQ of people in sub-Saharan Africa is about 70. Some peg it at 80 and say, well, there's culture and this and that and the other. Okay, let's go with 80. Sweet spot for criminality is 85. Now, the cutoff point for mental retardation was at 1.85. It's been lowered down to 70 for, I think, PC reasons. But um, that is the reality. Again, I wish it wasn't the case. I wish we knew how to change it. I wish we knew how to alter it. We don't. And um, whether it's genetic or environmental, there's strong evidence that at least later on in your life, it's about 80% genetic. It doesn't matter. If it's genetic or environmental, it doesn't matter. This is what's happening. This is, these are the people who are coming in on average. And this is why they can't work. And this is why they can't adapt. And this, I mean, Of course. Of course. Look, if there was some virus in the water in Austria that was causing women in Austria, native women in Austria, to give birth to children with an IQ between 70 and 80, wouldn't you view that as a national disaster? Wouldn't you view that as a huge tragedy? Wouldn't you not expend every conceivable resource into remedying that situation? Well, you do have that recourse in just a few days. Look, Sub-Saharan Africa, and again, I know all the migrants aren't coming from Sub-Saharan Africa, but it's not a whole lot better throughout the Middle East uh, and in Afghanistan. You've got people with an IQ of 70, 80 coming into your country. In Austria, the average IQ is 102. And, and that's why you have a free society. We got an interview with Dr. Helmuth Nyborg, who's talking about when IQ dips below 90, you don't have a free society anymore. Because having a free society, having freedom of speech, separation of church and state, property rights and and private property and so on, all requires the deferral of gratification, which all depends on higher IQ. It's just the reality. You are a country whose institutions are predicated on an average IQ of 100 plus. And if you bring people in, masses of people in, who are going to have lots and lots of kids, who have IQs between 70 and 80, You're going to lose your civilization. You're going to lose it all. You are going to lose it all. We know this. 
Because you can say, well, we'll give them welfare, we'll give them education. Look, trillions and trillions of dollars have been sent by the first world to the third world. The third world remains pretty much the third world. Again, I wish it were different. I wish things had worked out differently. I wish there was empirical evidence that showed how we knew how to change all of this. But we don't. And you can research this race IQ, ethnicity and IQ, race realism, whatever you want to call it. We have to deal with the facts. We can't have this weird modern religion where human biodiversity is the original sin. You know, we can't have it where you or you can't talk about a round earth because the Catholic Church, ah, right? You can't have everybody who speaks about biological realities and disparate evolutionary outcomes as the Galileo who gets. I mean, we can have that if we want, but then we're just uh, committing suicide as a culture and a civilization because turning away from reality is turning towards uh, death and, and self-destruction. Obviously, we know that. In-group preferences, unfortunately, remain very important. And white people for a generation or two, a couple of generations really, have been convinced by leftists and Marxists and so on, don't have any in-group preferences. To have in-group preferences is racist. Well, sorry, that only works if everybody does it. It doesn't work if you're the only group that does it. In fact, it does quite the opposite of working. I mean, think of a, think of a soccer game. Team A only passes to Team A and tries to win. Team B passes to Team P and passes passes to team A. In fact, they pass to team A a little bit more. Who's going to win? We know that. We know who's going to win. It's not that hard to figure out. Because you have a right to your own country. You have a right to your own civilization. You have a right to all of this, just as every other group does. I don't go to Japan and scream at them that they have to replace uh, their own Japanese culture and ethnicity with every other ethnicity and culture in the world. No, they're welcome to have their own country. I don't go to Saudi Arabia and say they've got to turn it into um, Ireland. I mean, they, they can have their own countries and you can have your own countries. There's nothing wrong with it. It's perfectly natural. We're a tribal species. It's the way it works. Sorry. It's just reality. Because this vote is coming. This vote is coming and it is the most important thing you will do in your lifetime. It is the most important. That day is the most important thing. And the days leading up to that day are also the most important few days in your entire existence. You have to push it with your friends. You have to push the boundaries of your relationships. You have to get this information across to people. Because you don't have the right to give away everything you've inherited. You don't have the right to plow it under. You don't. You, you don't have draft. You don't have a civil war yet. You don't have war. You, you just have to be intrusive. You kind of have to be in people's faces. You have to give them these facts whether they like it or not. You, you, you can do it in private conversations. You don't have to do it online. You're not going to be burnt as a heretic. You're just going to have to tell people. You know, you have to stand up for the treasures that you've inherited or you're going to lose them and be cursed forever. And through this process, we can also vote for not, this is again general to the West as a whole, NATO and America in particular, just stop interfering in other countries. Stop bombing, stop droning, stop invading, stop funding, stop selling arms, stop arming insurgents uh, and so on. End the foreign aid, because foreign aid always has a military component. Whatever money you give to governments in the third world frees up money they can use to buy weapons from you to oppress their own people. Just stop it. Stop all of this endless intervention and, and, and poking these hornets' nests around the world. Nature doesn't care if you win or lose. Nature is a competition for scarce resources. And um, nature doesn't care if your civilization, your culture, your country, your history, if it all vanishes, nature doesn't care. If you vanish, which begs the question, the only important question, do you? <laughs> 